You're listening to Very Loose Women. Hello and happy new year listeners. Welcome to Very Loose Women. You are tuned in on Resonance 104.4 FM live or maybe in the future for us you're listening on any good podcasting app. I'm Soyla of course and I'm joined here by two Nickies. I've got Nikki. Hi. And I've got our wonderful guest Nikki. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> um, welcome to the show. We are starting a new year. First show of 2020. Yay. Very excited. Um, Leo is off doing off doing a Leo thing, um, mm. which is why she's not here with us. Um, but she also says, Happy New Year, listeners. Um, today we're going to be talking about a, um, a production, I think is the best word for it, um, which is produced by Nikki, who is um, our guest. Um, but before we get into our, the production, um, let's do uh, celebrations... Or frustrations. Um, do you want to start, Nikki? Me, Nikki. You, Nikki. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, I had like a whole range of celebrations, commiserations, frustrations to, to choose from well, today, which a, is yeah. unusual. Normally nothing's going on, but <laughs> I thought I'd keep some consistency um, because I remember in the a few months ago, I had a frustration, which, the, which was that I'd been evicted, unfortunately. But my celebration in the new year is that I am now in a really lovely house share with lovely nice. people. So much better than before. You have some nice plants. I have a lot of nice plants. There's a garden. Oh. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty cool. And I can walk to work still. Nice. And just is it a nicer environment? It sounds like a nicer so environment. So much nicer environment. It really I can makes have friends a around. I didn't realise until until now how much of a difference that it makes because I think mm. ever since I've been living in London I've been kind of in places that I like didn't feel super comfortable yeah and I was just like I guess that's just London life but mm. it's guess possible. it's not necessarily it's, <laughs> better is possible yeah exactly um I might go for my celebration yeah which is um the veganuary options um, but the frustration part of this is that um, I feel like it's it's not been done through love for the planet necessarily or love for, you know, our animal friends. It's kind of like, ooh, look at all these people who are vegan. I'm sure I can make something delicious for them, which they will buy. Um, <laughs> and it has caught me because I've seen the different things where I'm like, I really have to try that. Like, I saw Wagamamas have a vegan tuna, which I think, very intriguing. Mm. What's that made out of? Like, the kind of meat products, chicken and beef, seem to be the where the, 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 fake, the fake options are going. And I think they're, they're, they've got quite quite good vegan bacon, new revelation, mm. incredible. I never <laughs> tried real bacon, so I can't compare. But <laughs> I think it's really nice. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really fascinated by... The idea of a fish product. Yeah, I don't like In, the idea of that yeah, fake tuna. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll try it. <laughs> given that I've also never is. tried, I've never tried tuna as well. I've just smelled it and didn't like it. I think the mm. smell, as as I think many people do. Mm. But I will I will feed back on how the vegan <laughs> tuna goes. Yeah. Mm. You can even posted. bring some in next time. 
Uh, and we can try it on air. Maybe I could do that. Maybe, <laughs> or we could have a. How about we have like a vegan taste test? We can get because I know a lot of the fast food restaurants have got different versions. So maybe we could do a, a quick taste test. Mm. That sounds great. I think yeah. yeah. Leading on from fast food, <laughs> my celebration of the week is that McDonald's. Shout out to McDonald's. Um, are doing a January dealer day. Um, okay. So if you download the app, um, I also, am also a promoter for McDonald's on the side. <laughs> um, We're not you, sponsored by McDonald's, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> or are um, we? If you download the app, yeah, you get a free um, snack. Uh, you just have to show them a little symbol on your phone. Um, so today I had four cheese nuggets, <laughs> um, which is someone who's kind of always on the go and not organised enough to make packed lunches and things like that came at the perfect time for a lunchtime snack wow. so yeah and it, it changes every, every day so you Ooh. can you can go through and each day try something new on the menu that's that's, that's encouraging spontaneity <laughs> and curiosity <laughs> with your decision making <laughs> that's not, i think that's a, a nice a nice set of celebrations, I think, yeah. this week. Start the, start the yeah. year, starting mm. strong. Um, <laughs> we are going to move on to our topic for today, um, uh, which is why we have Nikki, Nikki on. And she's from Opia Collective, which is uh, an art collective of female and LGBT artists. And you're going to talk about a new production called The Girl with Glitter in Her Eye. So I think we'd just like to begin... Um, just by asking you to tell us more about the collective and kind of what you do as part of it. Yeah, so um, I am the producer um, and I co-run the company um, with Marsha, who's the artistic director slash writer slash does everything. (laughs) Um, And yeah, like you said, we we create um, multidisciplinary theatre using female and queer artists and the aim of that is to give um, underrepresented communities a voice in theatre and allow them to share their stories and experiences. Um, And in terms of kind of multidisciplinary, um, a lot of people don't quite know what that means. Mm. It's sort of we try not to um, just be a company that does one thing and just creates theatre. So we blend different art forms in the work that we do and combine theatre with poetry, visual art, um, music, dance, um, and that kind of informs everything we do. And, and yeah, it's, it's great. I love it. <laughs> mm. That sounds amazing. Can you talk a bit more about, like, the the challenges or also like the benefits of putting together a production with all those kind of different forms of performance? Mm. I think the the main benefit for me is that it's so accessible. So um, with art and especially theatre, which is quite a kind of stereotypically seen as quite a stiff formal medium of art, um, bl- being able to blend different um different uh genres and and mediums you you make the artwork more accessible and it's able to reach a wider audience Mm. so because someone who you know doesn't like theater might come along and see a show because they really like the composer that you're working with or they like spoken word or they like the dance element so it's just about being able to reach as many people as we can with our message using as many different mediums as we can basically Mm. Um, and in terms of challenges um, there aren't 
that many challenges, um, although I'm probably thinking about this with rose-tinted glasses because mm. <laughs> there are always challenges. Mm. Um, I guess just being... Um, I come from a theatre background, so coming into Opia, I had to do a lot of, like, I had to clue myself up on a lot of, like, lingo and jargon, and, like, now I know about, you know, jacks and all the kind of technical terms that, that musicians need, and also lots of the, yeah, it's just about getting clued up on all the different sorts of lingo that different artists use, and, and becoming a specialist in not just one art form, but also in lots of different art forms I was wondering um, are there ways that because um, neither you or I Nikki work uh, in, in theatre um, I guess unfortunately um, or in kind of any of those incredibly creative disciplines um, so I was wondering are there ways that um, maybe we might be able to bring some creativity or kind of different skills into our current jobs and I, I guess um I think there are there is room for doing that, but I think it also feels like I wish I could do more sometimes. Yeah, I think my job because it's quite like a I'm working with people mm. as a caseworker, and it's not. I mean, there's creativity in some sense, but not in the sense where you're kind of producing mm. your own kind of creative. Um, content I guess yes. it's more about thinking and problem solving in a creative yeah. way um, which I guess yeah is also something that you have to do as a producer I guess mm. yeah um, I guess I think often uh, as a producer you kind of get stereotypes into being the admin one and, and the person like you said that does the problem solving and, and the budgets and the firing off 100 emails a day which is true you do do a lot of that but I like to think of myself as having more of a creative role in terms of OPS mm. so a lot of the kind of bigger decisions that we make as a company and artistic decisions like um sort of how we want a show to feel and what we want the tone of a play to feel like those kind of decisions I like to be a part of mm. and I always like to be present in the rehearsal room just so that I'm not completely removed from that sort of creative side of things mm. and like you said you kind of have to carve your own creativity in what you do and like you said being able to problem solve in a kind of creative way that's a really satisfying thing to do as well um but yeah i think you can any job to a certain extent can be creative it's just about how you get there and how you manifest mm -hmm. that creativity i think that's, that sounds like a really just a, a really nice and i think nice is quite a weak word actually i wish <laughs> i could choose think of a better one but um just a a, a really pleasant experience to work in as well to be able to have that um freedom i guess to to focus in on different things and to use different skills for different things and i i guess we all in in different ways and maybe not obvious ways use lots of different ways of thinking and skills and creativity and kind of more mathematical thinking to do our jobs but also to do everyday kind of things um, but it sounds like such a just such a, such a nice environment to be able to explore that, yeah. Um, and it really must show in the work that you create, um, and on 
which note, um, <laughs> you have a, a, a new and upcoming production. Um, could you tell us about that? Yeah, so our latest project, um, it's called The Girl with Glitter in Her Eye, and it is a multidisciplinary kind of ex- explosion of some amazing artists who have come together to put this story um, together. Um, it tells the story of two friends, Phil and Helen, um, Phil is the protagonist and she is an artist who is um, lacking creative um, inspiration and as a result she, um, she she's very much under a lot of pressure from her kind of director at work, her producer, um, to produce um, produce fresh kind of innovative new work and, and be a sustainable artist. Um, so as a result she... Um, she steals a story that um, belonged to her friend and kind of removes her voice and uses it for her own kind of personal um, success, I guess. So it's a play that looks at female friendship. Um, it examines themes of consent, betrayal um, and and voice and the effects of having your voice removed within the context of a female friendship. Mm. That's really interesting about the idea that kind of there's different layers of kind of consent because I think when we think about consent we often think of it to do with romantic and sexual relationships in particular but I guess it's interesting to think about how that also comes up in our friendships and our relationships all the time. Mm. Yeah. I think I think sometimes it's um, when we talk about great portrayal um and um consent in in between those friendships sometimes i th- i kind of th- pause and i think you know in what circumstances has that happened to me and it, it can be something as as small as that trust has been misplaced um or something as big as well i say big but menial like oh i i said this thing to you know, a colleague at work and then they went and they told someone else and they, they got the kind of praise for it almost. I think there's mm. there's so many different ways where there's that line where um, a, 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 that line is stepped over mm. um, and it can be very difficult, I think maybe even more difficult in a friendship to, to say that. Um, and we're not all perfect because I, I kind of think, well, are there times when I have stepped that line and, and just completely not noticed it and realized it and my friend hasn't said anything so it, it really brings up those kind of questions I guess and that kind of self-analysis of how I am in those in lots of different relationships mm. Mm. yeah that's yeah. um that's exactly right I mean the play originally um developed as a response to the me too movement in mm. 2017 and it um, it was it, it examined what happens when that line is blurred and when you push the boundaries of consent. Um, but I think exploring themes, um, the themes within a kind of rape context was um, quite hard to interrogate, that kind of subject matter. So the story kind of naturally evolved to looking at those themes within the context of friendship and kind of everyday scenarios mm. rather than specifically a romantic or a sexual context. Um, and it's um, it's also, like you said, it's making me think a lot about my friendships mm. that I have with my friends now and how I kind of behave 
in terms of consent and trust when I'm with them. Mm. I guess it's it's interesting to think about like when somebody does tell you about their own experience or trusts you with something how in a way like it does become part of your experience to an extent but it's not actually your experience mm. and that that kind of line between between you and people that you have a really close relationship with mm. and I think there's also a sense of um when someone tells you an experience that someone you don't know has had um, I've actually noticed this recently where um at work um you're just chatting to someone at work and they'll tell you well my friend this happened this thing happened to them and it it, and it, it happened today actually where a colleague was talking about um one of his his friends who had quite a sad experience and was telling me about this friend and um, the really tough mental health issues that this this to me a stranger had, mm. and there was a thought that I had of you know would that that person is a complete stranger to me I'm sure I'll never meet them but I know something very personal about mm. their their life and I don't know their name I don't know you know their story mm. but um, that kind of I wonder have I had these experiences that my friends in, you know, quite very kind of flippant, kind of passing context have been like, oh yeah, my, my friend, she, you know, she used to do this or that happened to her. Mm. And um, I think sometimes you are on that receiving end of that and you don't want to say to the person who it's, they're talking about their friend or their, their whatever. Mm. You don't want to say, oh, actually, would that person be happy with you telling me that? Mm. Or even though they'll never meet me mm. and, and that kind of thing. So there's so many ways I think it can be, you can accidentally say something. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I even I'll say, oh, my friend then, you know, she doesn't have a great relationship with her mom or something. And it can be completely kind of like, oh, I've just, I've just said that. Yeah. And also I've been on the receiving end of it, but I've also been, definitely been the culprit of it mm. where someone's maybe not told me something personal, but told me a funny story or something that's happened to them. And it's such a good story that I've then almost recounted it to someone else as though it's happened yeah, to yeah. me. Yeah. And like you said, yeah. you feel like you've been there and actually that's totally not my story to tell, mm. but you kind of appropriate it as your own because, and I don't know even know why I thought that it was okay to do that, I guess, because mm. it's not personal. You think it's just a really silly sort of everyday thing that's happened to yeah, this person. Yeah. So it, there's no reason to be um, protective over their story or, or for it to belong to them. But mm. actually it just, it just reminds, we have to just remember that we've got to think about when mm. and why we tell stories yeah. and who's who they belong to I guess mm. could you tell us a bit more about your personal kind of journey coming to Opier and um I think um also interested in kind of the founding of the of the collective how that came about as well and how you found yourself there yeah so the collective was formed in 2017 with Marsha um, and a few of her friends. Um, I came on board in 2019. Um, I met Marsha doing a young people's programme for emerging producers at the Almeida Theatre and we kind of hit it off and I came on board to help her with um, this show but when it was very much in its early stages. Mm. Um, and she does the directing and I do the producing and we kind of manage the company together um I think because I came on so late I'm still kind of working out how it came about and who were the original founding members but essentially it was Marsha had a vision to um 
create a platform for female and queer voices and for them to kind of share their stories. Um, and she has a really close-knit group of friends who are musicians, um, composers, actors, dancers, and she also, want, at the same time as wanting to give herself a voice and, mm. and other artists a voice, she wanted to give help her friends who are kind of emerging to give them a voice as well. So it kind of formed quite organically with Marsha bringing on board people that she's worked with before and friends of hers who are artists. Um, and now we're a really solid collective of kind of nine to ten artists and we always work together um, in all the productions that we do. Um, and, yeah, it's it's a really fun and... It's a, a fun and loving community to be a part of. We're all very much... Um, in it together and we love what we do um and yeah hopefully people like what we do as well <laughs> yeah do you do you find that it's important to have that kind of um a collective like that and that kind of representation in 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 this industry and in, in such creative kind of theatrical industry because i think um very rarely we come across collectives i guess in in mm. um when i go and see a, a play mm. or a production and um I'm, I tend to not know as much about kind of who are the creators behind this, um, mm. and so you know, do you think it's important to have that diversity in the in the kind of way that the productions are made? Yeah, I think it helps with a sense of collaboration. So rather than having the kind of hierarchical structure of artistic director, then director, then assistant director, and then performers, mm. and then you know stage manager somewhere at the bottom, I think <laughs> having a collective removes all of those levels um, that do exist in some theatre companies and some theatre organisations. And it's important you know, we preach the message that everyone should have a voice and have a platform. And I think naming ourselves and, and being a collective kind of enables that, enables mm. us to actually do what we preach. And mm. rather than in, in the rehearsal room, you know, no one feels like they can't give someone direction because they're not the labelled as the director. You know, we all chip in with our opinions and it's a very, um, yeah, it's a very generous environment in which to create something mm -hmm. um so i think it's yeah it it i feel like i'm just rambling now but i think <laughs> going back to your original question about being a collective yeah it's not something that you do see with most organizations but it works for us in terms of who we are as artists and the message that we preach and so far it's worked so yeah. <laughs> fingers crossed it's that um nikki for you is that yeah. as a consumer of art is that mm. something that's valuable to know do you think maybe or um yeah I think it's 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 kind of nice to know more about the the values and like mm. the kind of message I guess of the people that are behind the show because that's like that's quite important I guess yeah. I think it brings context yeah. to the production of it yeah you know, you know that it has been produced in such a way that has those things in mind and that ethos mm. in mind and I think that I like to know that as yeah. well I don't I, I want to know that it's been done in such a way that is gives it purpose yeah you know, it certainly makes me like more keen to go and see the show to know that 
that it's been produced in that way, like as a collective. Mm, and yeah, it's, it's definitely a. I hate the phrase USP, but it does seem <laughs> yeah. to be a, a, a kind of unique selling point that that draws people to us because, as as much as you can sell a show, I think as well as selling a show you need to sell the company and who we are and like you said our ethos mm. and more and more people care about the ethos behind a product mm. rather than just the product yeah. itself and you can apply that to kind of whatever industry I think mm. um, on that note I'm interested to know what the word opia means <laughs> just because I caught sight of the the definition on your website yeah, and it's so quite interesting opia means uh, like in the Oxford English Dictionary um, <laughs> <laughs> it means the kind of ambiguous intensity of looking someone directly in the eye so I think you can apply that to our theatre company in that we attempt to kind of intensely examine important topics and themes and really put a magnifying glass um, into yeah the the themes that we explore but also that it kind of reflects and represents the connection that you have with someone when you look at them kind of directly in the eye Mm -hmm. and it can sometimes make you feel really uncomfortable Mm -hmm. or it can sometimes make you feel like you share a really special bond with someone um so that's we try and recreate that connection through the art that we make amazing how can our listeners kind of find out more information or come and see the production so you can come and see the girl with glitter in her eye um this month we are performing at the bunker theater in london bridge um every sunday and monday for the month um so from the 12th to the 27th of january and we're on at 7 30 p.m um and do follow us on social media at opia collective or um opiacollective.co.uk um and you can buy tickets at the bunker theater website Excellent. Thank you so much, Nikki, for joining us Thank today. you for having me. It's been a pleasure. And thank you, other Nikki, for, for joining me. <laughs> nice um, to be back. I know, it's great. Yeah. Thank you, John, for sound engineering here at Resonance 104.4 FM. And I guess our last thank you is for our listeners. You get a thanks <laughs> to um, for tuning in. Um, as ever, you can listen back to older episodes on the very loose women podcast which is available on all good apps and you can follow us across social media at blw radio that's it from us until next time bye bye